Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hey, hey, you guys. Welcome back to the show this week. I am excited to be here with another guest for you. And I am wondering if you have heard of him before. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we're having Brandon Wong, who has quite an illustrious Etsy-related YouTube channel. So perhaps you have visited or seen him before. He is a delight. He is brilliant. So let me tell you a little bit about Brandon. He had a very high paying job um, as a certified electrician in the in the construction industry. Those, those guys are very, very specialized and paid a ton. And he walked away, quit that job to become a full-time Etsy seller. So you've got to imagine... <laughs> What kind of success he was seeing and anticipated seeing on the Etsy platform to walk away from that kind of reliable income? Like think about our our boom right now, like those kinds of trades make a ton of money. He also traveled and backpacked around the world for two years, living off of Etsy passive income, which holy cow, how many of us would love to plug into some of that? He now runs multiple Etsy shops um, in the physical, digital, and print-on-demand space as well. So he's such a fun guest for us because he's got all these different insights into these different um, niches on Etsy. And his, um, his shop and products have been featured on Etsy, on HGTV, and Marie Kondo's online shop. So... <laughs> no slouch at all. And as I mentioned before, he started a YouTube channel teaching people how to become successful on Etsy. Perhaps you have seen him there. And if not, you better believe we are going to link his YouTube channel in our show notes so that you can check him out after the show. But I know we are going to have a phenomenal conversation. I absolutely adore this man. He is um, so much fun. He's such a, a chill but brilliant vibe. And let's just welcome him on the show. Well, hello, Brandon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me on, Lizzie. I'm so excited to have you here. I First of all, I love when I get the dudes on because we have so much estrogen on this show all the time. Um, so that's super fun. And I also love how you are my polar opposite. And I'm this like super high energy, bouncy person. And you're so mellow. And I just like need more of that. I'm like, I need to talk to Brandon. This is good for anxiety. <laughs> but I'm so glad you're here. And we, I'm, I'm excited for, for my listeners to um, hear your story because... I think I think actually it's quite different from anything we've had on the on the podcast so far because you're doing so many different things, um, which I I love that I would never get bored. It's so great. So tell us a bit about your story. Let's just start with the background before Etsy. Like, who are you? Where are you from? Like, what was your professional background? Sure. So uh, I grew up in Hong Kong for the first ten years of my life, and then nice. I moved to Canada, Vancouver, and um, yeah, pretty much the whole time I was raised by a single mother. So, you know, financially, it was kind of difficult. We had to, you know, me and my sister, older sister, had to just help support, had to find part-time jobs. And, um, you know, long story short, after high school, uh, I became a electrician, like just got in construction just because, you know, had to kind of help support 
and also didn't really fully understand what I wanted to do after. So uh, I did that for six, seven years, got my cert certification as electrician. And throughout that time, I was kind of like, oh, this is great. Like I was doing really well. Good money. Uh, financially and everything, but great money. Like, you know, truly appreciate that. But I kind of like, I was always a person that loved creating things. I was like a crafter. I like building things. Like you can see from uh, my background, like the shelving, right? I was building these things. Yes, and I was like, oh, you know what? Just, I want to try something different. I got my certificate. So then I, um, I went back to school. I just did a quick graphic design program, like a six-month program, just to kind of hone my skills a little bit in terms of that. And I got into e-commerce. I got into Shopify and Etsy, and I lost trial and error. And that's kind of how I kind of got into the e-commerce world. First started as an artisan, as a creator, and then slowly learning the ropes on how to create an online business, and uh, which kind of brought me to where I am now. <laughs> I know it was very brief, but... No, yeah. but I think I think it's awesome, and I I I love this. Like your mom must be so proud. Is she really excited about what you're doing now? She is. Like honestly, she's like you know the person I look up to the most. Um, oh. She's been very supportive. Of everything I've been doing. When I told her, "Hey, I'm gonna quit electrical and just travel the world and do online things," like perfect, go ahead, son. Like I believe in you. And then so I, you know, to this day, I'm truly grateful for everything she's done. That is absolutely precious. And I love that. And I do think we need to segue. This is not, our, I'm already doing it to you, Brandon. I warned you I was going to go off script, but can we talk about your travels a bit? Like, I mean, first of all, there's just this whole other side story of how on earth do you build enough passive income to be able to take two years off and just travel? But like, where did you go? Where were the coolest sure. places you went? This is, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah. So, well, just how I got to that was, you know, I went back to graphic design and I started my first digital product store on Etsy and everything was passive, right? Everything was online. And I was still living in Vancouver at that time. And I was like, wait, Vancouver is actually really, you know, costly, very expensive to live in. Wow. And I did some math and I realized if I moved to, you know, Asia somewhere or South, South America, it's actually cost of living is a lot cheaper because everything's digital anyway. So that's when I decided to just, you know, sell, sell everything, pack up and moved away. So uh, I went to, you know, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, went to Singapore, Malaysia, uh, you know, lived in Bali for a couple months. And I did, yeah, I was in Asia for a year and a half. And then I went to South America, went to Chile, Colombia, Argentina, um, wow. Peru, and these different places for, for a while. That is completely amazing. <laughs> Do you still keep up with, like, did you travel with anyone or were you totally on your own? I was, friends and fr like, friends would kind of visit me here and there, but most of the time okay. I was by myself. Okay, so you probably <laughs> yeah. you have like contacts now all over the world, right? You've got like friends and people that you've had amazing experiences with everywhere. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really cool. I definitely have people I can reach out to right away and be like, "Hey, come on down, Brandon. You know, we got a place for you." And and um, yeah, it was it was such a great experience overall. And and like I said, the cost of living was actually cheaper for me to do that than to live in Vancouver. But you know, after a while, after two years, like you know what, I'm getting older now. You know, I, I I want to be with family more. I kind of value those things more. So I kind of came back to Vancouver and, and kind of settled here now. Okay. So did you literally, you like took your laptop with you and you would make, you would do like customer service DMs and maybe add more things to your shop, like periodically while you were on the road. Is that what that looked like? Or were you, you weren't totally hands off, right? You were still kind of jumping on the laptop. Yeah, so laptop was pretty much the only thing I had to use um, in terms of like for, for Etsy, for work and customer service, right? That was kind of what it was. And I'm sure later on down the, 
um, in this interview, we talk about outsourcing yes. and we can kind of get to that where I was able to get more hands off. But yes, when I first started, uh, that's what I did. I was just doing customer service every day, just, but I would spend maybe like an hour, maybe a half an hour a day just to quickly make sure everything's in check. And if I want to create new products, new listings, then I would, I would do so. Right. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, it was, it was, um, pretty passive and everything was automated. Oh my gosh. You, and you say it so casually. I mean, that is completely insane. Um, okay. So let's like really dive into your Etsy story. It sounds like your digital shop came first. Um, but tell us, tell us more about your actual Etsy story and what that's looked like and you know, what, what you've sure. sold and however you want to dive into that. I just, I mean, there's, a, there's so many different directions you could go. So please take it. <laughs> Okay, so the Etsy store actually did start before the the printable um, okay. or the digital product store. So it was like 10, 15 years ago when I mentioned I was an electrician. You know, at night after I was you know, done work, I would kind of read books about e-commerce, doing all these things and figure out what does it mean to to have like, you know, our four-hour work week, let's say. Great book, by the way, four-hour work yes. week, which kind of got me started. Like the idea of like having something more than just a normal job. Uh, but yeah, so I was dabbling into all these different things and it started with doing physical products because, okay. because like I mentioned, I was a woodworker, right? So I was, I was doing, um, all kinds, of, all kinds of things. Like I was doing laser cut wall art, right? I bought like a 3d laser machine and printing out like skylines and different cool, like wall art things. And I did like wood necklaces. I did, um, yeah, just like jewelry, like beaded bracelets. I did like, um. Yeah, just cake toppers. I was doing wedding cake toppers. So I started all these different shops. But the thing was, none of them really took off because, okay. you know, now looking back at it, I, I learned that I was just a creator. I like crafting things. But in order to actually create a successful shop or e-commerce, you need to be, you know, you need to be knowledgeable about business, right? That's a whole other side of things. And I always talk about people or they're in the business of art, but there's also an art in business. Right, meaning you need to understand the other side of things to actually be able to make money and transact and these kind of things. Right, it's a transaction if you're selling things online. So, you know, that kind of something that I like to, you know, show people how to how to captivate that part and kind of learn those those skills, not just being an artisan. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this is me rambling on about that. But no, I think that's yeah, really so that's important. Right? I started yeah. doing. I think that's so important because we all start with like, I'm going to make this yeah. thing. It's going to be great, but there's this whole other skill set you need. So I'm really glad you said that, but please. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, my first one was like a 3d laser cut wall art. I was like, Oh, this is such a cool product. No one has this in the market. Right. I'd spent like, you know, hours, hours, like months doing creating this, this catalog of different products. I put it up online on Etsy and just crickets like, huh, what's going on. And then I was like, okay, like, why is no one interested in this? I really like this. This is cool. But now looking back at it, I realized, you know, my price point was something I just made up. I didn't look at competitions. Keywords, okay. I didn't really think about that. So all these different things, imagery, right? Like, you know, <laughs> at that time, it was just not great. So I learned a lot through the whole process. And then it got to the point where uh, when I did the, the digital product shop, that's when I was able to learn my mistakes and learn through them. And each shop got better and better to the point where I'm able to create shops now where you know, for the most part, they are, they do become pretty successful just because I've, you know, I've made, made all my mistakes in the past already and I'm getting better and better at it. I think that's, um, you know, and I don't know, I, I'd really like to know how someone listening feels who 
is just getting started or hasn't started yet, if it feels intimidating to them, to me, but to, to them, but to me, I always felt so free knowing that I could fail and learn as I go. You know what I'm saying? That it wasn't as deep as, I don't know, something maybe related to a full-time career or something that's going to be so risky. Like literally the stakes are pretty low. So like you can get in there and make lots of mistakes, but you can keep analyzing it and you can keep doing your research and you can keep digging into Etsy and you can figure out why things don't sell or, you know, how to make better images. And for me, it was totally like that. It was so slow in the beginning. And then I started figuring out how to, just like you, how to, how to critically, um, in a good way, like, you know, look at my, look at my work, look at my shop and figure out what's, uh, is it the pricing? Is it the keywords? Is it the photos? Is it, I think it's so, I'm hoping that it feels really empowering to our listeners that you can get to like, for example, your level and you can start by making a ton of mistakes and, and doing it all wrong. Exactly. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, um, and just thinking about the process and not being like, you know what, I'm going to have crazy success in my first job. Like learning right. and failing is part of the process. Like it's, it's going to happen. And you can see all these people having great success on e-commerce or Etsy specifically, but they didn't start right like that. Right? They definitely had a path where they, they had their trial and error. Like you mentioned earlier, like it's just part of the process. And, and if you just kind of have that mindset, knowing that, you know, things are going to go wrong, I'm going to learn, but that's part of the journey then I think um, it's a great way to approach it. Absolutely. I think so too. And um, you, you, you can learn a lot by listening to others' mistakes, but you also, it, I, I especially had this, and this is a great segue because I want to move into talking about um, visuals, which is such a huge strength of yours. But like, I used to think that my first images were so great because I worked really hard on them and I had done social media graphics before and I knew, but there was so much for me to learn about photo photography and Etsy. Um, and I remember, I, so, I mean, we can learn a lot from each other, like just by hearing what mistakes we made, but there's also just this piece where you have to get in there and get your hands dirty and figure out what works for you. So, but let's talk about that because I think that, um, your eye for strong visuals in e-commerce is probably like one of the most important skills that you've honed. Can you, can you tell us about that? Like, you know, what, what that journey was like and how you strengthened that particular skill set? Cause it wasn't just sure, born in, yeah. right? Or yeah. was it natural? You know what I no. mean? Like you're, you know, you're shaking your head. No, <laughs> same. I'm not no, definitely all. not. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Cause like, you know, I kind of have like a folder where I save all like the, product images I've done in the past since day one. Yes. And every time I create those at that time, I was always like, this is great. I love this. Yes. And as years progress, I, I look back I'm like, oh my God. And even <laughs> now, if I can look at the ones I have now, if I look like a couple years from now, I'm, I hope that I look back to the ones I have right now and realize, damn, this is not great. Just so I know I'm constantly improving. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, um, I think it's just trial, trial and error. Like I just kept seeing what's working and just always have an open mind when I'm when I'm looking at different catalogs or different brands, how they're doing these things, but you're like, oh, okay, cool. They're doing these kind of shots. They're doing close-up shots. They're they're show they're tell, like storytelling through this kind of angle through a different product, right? Like I was, for example, I was at IKEA the other week because I was just doing some shopping for moving, and I'm noticing how they display new products, right? How did having like the pricing, what font they're using, what colors they're using, and I'm just always keeping an eye on these things and figure out, okay, what are the trends now? What's happening? So just Always keep an eye out, see what people are doing in all kind of categories. Even if you're doing digital products or physical products, you want to look at every different kind of category. Let's say you're doing real estate, right? You want to look at just anything possible visually to see what's working in different categories and how you can implement that 
into your own shop, into your own uh, niche. So that's you just, one way of doing that. And yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, you just dropped Go some ahead, major sorry. gold. Like I want to, I really want to well I'll recognize what you just said because you, you went quickly through it and it was some really important stuff that I want our listeners to catalog. Like the first thing you said is you just constantly study what other successful brands are doing. Um, and so that's really important because you also mentioned that the trends change and that is such an important thing to pay attention to. What, what is working really well right now in six months might not. And then the other thing you mentioned is you pay attention down to what is the pricing, which of course, you know, we've talked about here before. You've got to pay attention to what is the market pricing. Um, but you also said something. You said you pay attention to the font that they use. Um, can you talk a little more about that? I think that's, we've never really talked about that. We did a little bit in our in one of our branding um, podcasts, but I think I think you've just hit on something that, people don't necessarily think about that down to that detail can make or break a sale. Like everything else can look really great. And if you're using a font that's dated, I know my sister has a really good eye and she's really into marketing and all she studied marketing in college and we'll go somewhere and she'll be like, I can't believe they're using that font. That is literally five years ago. And I'll be like, what? It looks great. You know, and I'm the one with the e-commerce business. So it's kind of funny, but can you talk about that a little bit? Like, why does that, why does that matter? And how do you like, how do you pay attention to that? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, typeface like fonts in general is a whole nother category I can, I can talk about, but generally if you can just look on, even if you go to Pinterest and you can look at characteristics of typeface or fonts, they'll show you exactly what fonts represent, what kind of emotions. So if it's sans serif wow. fonts, like a more modern ones compared to serif, more traditional fonts, they all represent a different feeling, right? So you want to know for your, your specific shop, what kind of emotional invoke, or is it a more laid back type of shop? Is it more professional? Is it more luxurious? You want to sell higher end things? So you need to really represent that through the font you use, right? And, you know, obviously in your logo, you want to represent these feelings, but really, yes. I guess it's something for listeners is to pay attention to that and understand every single font is for a different purpose, for what kind of messaging you want to betray through the visuals of the font itself. And um, that way you can have a better understanding if that font is perfect for you. If you're going to put text in your product images, you want to make sure that it's the right sizing. Does it look good on web, on a computer or on your mobile? Like all these little things uh, you want to kind of be aware of. But like I said, you can just quickly, you know, search online and just like the basic one-on-one of typography. And you can, you can learn about this stuff very quickly and you can apply them uh, effectively on your shop. Oh, honestly, Brandon, we could camp here all the whole session. Um, so guys, I really want to tell you the places that I see this issue the most with the font are your banners, like your header banners um, is one of the biggest ones. And I know not everyone is going to go to your shop. They're going to look at your listing. So your listing is more important if you've only got so much time to spend. But I can't tell you how many times I look at your banners and it feels really dated with the, with like whatever font is on there. The other one, just like Brandon said, is the logo, which is like your shop profile picture, pay attention to what you're using there. And then the other place that you should be using font, you know, your photo galleries, you want to pack those as much as you can for each listing, because it does help you in the algorithm on Etsy. If you have a lot of photos and you're using those slots. And one of the ways that I did that was I would create instructional graphics um, to go with, whether it was about dimensions or it was about shipping or it was about, it was a digital, whatever it, is whatever you need to convey as an FAQ to your shoppers, you want them on there. And you to Brandon's brilliant point, which I have never told you guys before, you need to pay attention to the font you're choosing on those on those graphics within your 
within your listing photos. So, um, uh, but I did not know what I have not looked up before, Brandon, is what emotions and feelings go along with the font. I was always going with like, what's my gut? Like, what's my vibe? You know, what is it? Vi- how does it vibe to me? But I think it's even better if you can get more scientific like you have and go do that research. Like, go look it up on Pinterest or Google or wherever. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, but in the way you do want to make sure that you enjoy yourself, right? Like, uh, <laughs> that will drive you to continue the shop. So it, it, I do agree with your points for sure. Uh, everything plus the, you know, what drives the uh, consumers and um, yeah. What else? I was going to say something else, but <laughs> I love the way you explain things, by the way, Lizzie. You know, oh my gosh. You Thank you. you. <laughs> You're the YouTuber, dude. I don't know. I'm just, I just like always <laughs> think I try, I always try to think back of those early days and those like aha moments. Like I cannot tell you, Brandon, how much it changed my life when I figured out, I don't have to, cause I, I, my previous shop, Um, I am now pregnant. So I don't have, I don't currently have an active shop because my shop was making signs. And, um, uh, I think this is, is this the first, no, this isn't the first time I'm mentioning I'm pregnant, but it's very early. I kept it secret for a long time, but everyone's like, why isn't your shop open? I'm like, literally, I'm going to kill this baby. If I'm inhaling all the stains and paints and like sawdust that I worked with on a daily basis, it was also very grueling on my hands. But the point is I was making this handmade product and I thought at the beginning I needed to make one for every single photo for every single listing. And before I even could test and see if the phrase on my sign was going to sell, I had to paint. And when I figured out I could create a mock-up, I could have standard sizes, I could create blanks and I could do it all digitally. And I could sell the product before I even painted it for the first time. Cause I knew with my industrial pencil stencil cutter, I could make like the perfect, I could recreate whatever I showed digitally that changed everything for me because then I could test hundreds, thousands of listings and phrases without having to actually make it. So these little things like your insight about the fonts, um, your insight about the pricing, these little details that you can pay attention to. I think that's so helpful because those were the moments that changed everything for me in the beginning. That's, that's great. The, uh, just utilizing like digital things and creating things before, um, you create the products is something I wish I learned when I, when I first started, instead of investing all this time into creating products and enlisting it, realizing that that is something that people might not like. Uh, so something I just wanted to touch note on about the fonts, yes. something I just thought about, is um, I get a lot of people, let's say if you're in the the uh, digital planners or the digital wall art uh, category, if or any kind of product where you're selling fonts, like having a, a font or a text in your products, or if you're doing like budget planners, right? Anything that has fonts or text. Uh, you want to make sure that you're using a font that has been proven that it works. So meaning... Wow. Like if you're doing something that's really crazy for your for your titles and your display fonts, you gotta keep in mind that first of all, the customer has to like that font, right? They have to hit that mark. <laughs> Secondly, they have to hit the design, the layouts. Thirdly, they have to hit the colors. So they have to make they have to like all these different elements in order to go through that purchase uh, journey, right? To to buying your product. So I tell a lot of people, you want to make sure that you know you're finding things that are have been proven that works, and you can always remix it to make it better but you don't really want to just really go crazy for every single category because they're going to have to hit every single one of those marks, the layouts, the fonts, the colors, right? Um, the way you represent in mock-ups in order to, to make that purchase, if that makes sense. That does. And, and I, that's a whole different, amazing point of when you have to actually include fonts in the phys- in the product, the end product that the customer is going to get, that's totally different from just your marketing pieces. Like that's even more critical. Um, so I think that was really, really, really helpful. Thank you. And actually, you, um, 
I, you've kind of touched on this a bit, but I bet you you could elaborate. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the tips for beginners, uh, like really people just getting started that can help our listeners start to identify really good visuals on Etsy and begin to self-critique and make their shops stronger? Like, can you maybe give them some tips on how to go, um, how to do some of that research and figure that out? Yeah. So the first one I would say is uh, just, you know, start looking at the best sellers, your best competitions. Look at how they're displaying their main image. That's the most important one. How they're the main showcasing okay. it. Are they doing it? Uh, yeah, the the main thumbnail image on the search page. You know, is it a close-up shot? Is it, does it have text in it, right? Analyze all these different things. What kind of shadows? How much shadow is in there, right? And then you, you're going to look through your actual listing itself and see how it compares to yours. And try to be as unbiased as you can, obviously, and really yeah. break it down. If you look at them side by side, like the best competitors compared to yours, you know, which one would you actually click? And, oh, something that I, I sometimes do when I'm starting a new shop is I would, you know, I would take a screenshot of uh, the search page of all the different competitors on Etsy, and I would put my image into one of the slots. And then I would ask friends and family, and be, hey, which one would you, which one would you pick? Right? Wow. You know, from all these 16 products on there, which one would you click on if you had to pick one? And I would... You know, usually they might not click on mine at the first, but then I'll keep reiterating it, keep altering mine until I get to a point where they want to click mine before I click on every single one else's. That's when I know, okay, cool. Then I have an image that will probably work. Uh, so that's a really effective way to to really improve on yours and, and you know, asking people, um, you know, the honest opinion on which one they pick, yours or competitors, without telling them which one's yours, right? And another one is just looking through your, your shop right now, like your, your actual main shop and see if it looks like a search page or your a shop page. Cause there's a difference, right? Like sometimes I look at someone's shop when they're asking me to review the shop and it, and their shop just looks like uh, a search page. Every background is different. There's different textures. Some are like taking photos from nighttime, somewhere in daytime. It just looks like a <laughs> search page and not so much a shop page. So that's an important one to make sure that you have a cohesive um, shop. Someone clicks into it. It just looks so much more professional and, um, like honestly, it really does improve the conversion rate of your shop overall. I think those are awesome tips, and that those are some next level. Like to actually, <laughs> to actually go ask people which one would you click on, and they're looking at thirty <laughs> listings. Like, man, <laughs> I mean that you have some dedication to wait till they're picking yours. But I mean, yeah, that's the whole that's the whole point. I think that's amazing. I always just go, like, I just go through the search results on Etsy and no matter how many pages I had to, to figure out where mine was falling also. And like, then I'd be looking at it in the feed to say to my, to say like, how does it, how, how does it jump out? How does it compare with the other ones that I'm seeing? But like, man, Brandon, I'm, you're like the samurai on this. All right. I I'm, I'm sitting down. This podcast is brought to you by my very own website howtosellyourstuff.com, where I have created lots of free and paid tools to help you be successful with your new Etsy shop. As I've developed this business, I've really focused on thinking back to my early days of trying to figure Etsy out, and I brainstormed a list of the things that would have helped me make more sales earlier. And everything I'm creating over there is expressly to make sure that you can get there faster than I did. Two of my courses, Listings That Sell, and customer service templates are perfect resources for that fledgling Etsy seller. Listings that sell will teach you how to position your products for sales by setting up your listings with the best photos, keywords, and branding to attract your perfect customer. 
I'm showing you how research is your secret weapon for getting your product seen and sold. And I'm giving you my step-by-step process for how I personally research as a strategy in my own shop. Customer service is way more critical to sales than most shop owners realize. So in my mini e-course, Customer Service Templates, I'm teaching you my exact customer service strategy and providing you with templates of my specific wording for over 20 different customer service scenarios, including some of the hardest ones. You don't have to go figure out what to say and how to say it. I've already done that for you. One of the main keys to being a successful business owner is working harder on yourself than anything else. So go grab these courses and get yourself on the fast track to your Etsy shop goals. I can't wait to watch you do it. Um, (laughs) Okay, and you kind of just said this. This is so good. So um, such a natural tie-in. What other like photography or mock-up or photo editing blunders do you notice most frequently from new Etsy shops? I love what you just said about like the cohesiveness. Like, do you actually look like a brand on your shop page? But what other things do you tend to see in those reviews that you're, that kind of jump out at you as just like really common mistakes? Sure. Um, so I guess we can go with, let's say we can start with the physical product shops. One of the ones like, you know, background colors, Sometimes I've seen people taking photos at night, sometimes during the day. <laughs> and one of the easiest ones to create, I mean, you can do, still do that. If you want like darker background, darker backgrounds, <laughs> like darker backgrounds. Like, commit to it, backgrounds. right? Commit to it. It should be all your photos you if you're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also just the temperature of it, right? You know, when you editing photos on like your iPhone, there's always that slider that says temperature, warmer or cooler. Uh, that's something that it's, it's hard to, like if you're not aware of it, then you might not be aware of it but it's this quick little edit that you can do to make it cohesive. Even though if it's lighter or darker, if you have the same temperature and you'll know when you know when you're sliding to that slider, you can tell, okay, cool. It actually works better when it's warmer or, or cooler. Uh, and that's a good way to kind of keep it cohesive, even though it's different lighting. That's something that I don't see people do that often. And um, yeah, I think um, for, for digital products, let's see. <laughs> Drawing a blank right now. For some... <laughs> I mean, if you, have, you jump in, you can totally jump in. I feel like you have some Well, business, I just, but... I, I mean, I'm always just amazed. Like, here's the thing, guys. Like, if you're selling print on demand or digital and you're using mock-ups or anything like that, you got to look at the competition and see if you can even remotely compete. Like, you, it's all fine and dandy to throw it on a, on like a background, but like you, like, first of all, did you add a drop shadow? Does it look like it's people like lifestyle images? So like, I just, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the ones I look at in the digital, especially in the digital space are just ugly. You like, you need to go look at what other people are. You need to go look at what's actually selling, what's actually jumping out. And like print on demand, like you generally really need some good mock-ups, I think are like the big blunders I see. Like if you're like, I mean, and some of you are really, really good. Like your photo, your photography is amazing. And your model is really, you know, really is going to be attractive to lots of different shoppers, you know, of all different, like, you know, like think about, think about who, who is going to be shopping for it. You, you, if, if every single one looks exactly the same, then you're only going to attract one kind of buyer. Right. So I think those are the biggest blunders I tend to see, but my, I can see your, your brain has churned. You've got some, some add-ons to that, please. Yeah. Um, so speaking of print on demand products, right. Uh, and mockups specifically, a lot of people will use the generic mockups from let's say print for printify, like these print on demand services. Oh, but yeah. I think, um, one thing you can do is just spend out a little bit of just investment. It doesn't really cost that much, really. And to get more unique mock-ups, right? Either through Creative Market or you can get it from Placeit. Like these kind of mock-up 
platforms and to just to really stand out. And it's, it's definitely worth the investment. So you don't look like the same mockups that all the other people are using for print on demand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also the, like to your point before, I think on the digital, um, the digital photography, the font is so critical, like paying attention to what kind of font you're using and how big you're making it. And does it just look like a, a mess? Um, so yeah, I think, do you, and then do you have any, any favorite tools for enhancing digi- uh, visuals? Like, do you have like tools that you really recommend to your followers that are helpful? Yeah. If you're doing uh, physical products out, I just always use Adobe Lightroom. I just use okay. that on my phone and all my pictures I take are just from my, from my iPhone for that. And if you're doing digital products, I personally use Photoshop, but I know a lot of people aren't familiar with it. So I always recommend using Canva. Canva is like, honestly, it's so good. So amazing at doing mockups and doing anything you want to do now that, um, yeah, that's one, that's probably the easiest one to get into is just using Canva. I should write those down. So I put them in the show notes. So light Adobe Lightroom. And of course we always talk about, well, actually, I don't know if we've talked about that one and then canva.com or the app on the phone. I am amazed what you can even just do plugging it into your app on your phone now, nowadays. Yeah. And then, um, okay. I know like another part of your business that I have thought was really interesting because it's something that kind of scares me a little bit. Um, you outsource a lot of, uh, like of elements of your business. And I mean, of course you would have to like knowing all the different shops you are juggling plus a YouTube channel, Brandon, when do you sleep? Um, but can you tell us a bit about how you outsource effectively and like some of the lessons you've learned on that, on that part of it? Yeah. So, you know, when I first started, obviously I didn't really do any outsourcing. I was doing everything by myself and I was like, oh my God, I can't scale if I do this. Right. So first thing I started outsourcing was just customer service. And, um, yeah, I have some helpers in Asia that would, would do the customer service every day. just so I can stay on top and get that top seller tag, right. Little things like that. And initially, you know, it was hard, like being able to delegate and that's a whole new skill set that you kind of have to learn. And, um, but side note, I use a, a platform called Loom is a way to, um, outsource. Oh, sorry. But am I cutting out? No, you're not. I think it was me. Keep going. I can edit oh, it. Okay. Yeah. So, so, oh yeah. Loom. So, I recently, um, I recently heard about Loom. Yeah. Loom's great. Just to, um, just to do quick videos and tutorials for, or like, you know, virtual assistants and stuff like that. So that's pretty much what I do. I have a VAs for doing customer service. I have VAs doing uh, basic, maybe graphic design if there's customers or, wow. you know, clients I want to do. Yeah, because I, I can't do those little small edits again. Like people want, let's say if they want, um, you know, in US letter size and compared to like A4 or something like that, or they want to be international size for printables. Like do all these random little resizing changes, I don't really need to do it myself or like color okay. changes for different digital products. I would have a uh, graphic designer now to do it for me. And they all kind of, I kind of place them all into different categories. So they know exactly what they need to do every day. And, uh, but that was an interesting process, learning how to to do that as a whole new skill set that, you know, you kind of have to just learn on the go. And it feels like it's draining more time for you initially to, to, you know, delegate and to teach people how to do it. But after the initial part is totally worth it. So I recommend to anyone that wants to scale their business but obviously initially do it yourself first because sometimes um i don't know i know a lot of shops people people want to start outsourcing right away and especially for customer service and i don't think that's a great idea just because a lot of times the best 
feedback and things are from customer service. So, uh, for example, one of my shops, a customer was like, oh, hey, I, I really like this product, but do you have it in this version or something like that? Right. Do you have it in the color green? And I was like, okay, I don't. But, you know, I guess I can create it for you. I can put it on the website. And after doing so, I created a new listing for like a green variation. And that became a top seller. And it's like these little things that you normally wouldn't do if you're having outsourced. They might not think that way. They might not be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do a quick change for you and instead of creating a new product for it. So it's great feedback loop um, when you have people asking questions. It's the best way, best opportunity to figure out, okay, what's my next product that I'm going to create is through um, customers and the questions. So did you did you go ahead and create like templates of how they should respond, like what your response, how you would respond to like the most commonly asked questions, and then give that to them to use as like a as like a base point? Yeah, I usually have a list of them, and even on Etsy, right? There's like the save replies thing, so kind of have some of those. Yes, but I also create a Google Docs where I show them. And at first, I would kind of let them watch me do them, and I would do the customer service first, and she just watches me, and I explain my reason why I answer it the way I answer it. And once a week, I'll create Loom videos and reviewing all the uh, the recent questions. And after like a week or two, they'll usually you kind of go over the most important ones. And then from there, if they have any questions, they can just you know message me, and I'll kind of teach them that way. And now it's to the point where you know they they know enough where they can just kind of go off and sometimes give me suggestions. But hey, we should be doing this and this, and it's like perfect. I love it. <laughs> and do that. And you know, I have one that started. Um, doing my other shops right they're doing more than just customer service they started um doing more edits maybe creating certain visuals right certain things that they're slowly expanding and and they love it because they're really learning about the e-commerce world through just my initial uh, virtual assistant role do you do you now outsource um uh your physical products as well do people help you with that part as well or are you how, how do you manage i don't know how you do all this i really don't Oh yeah, so that okay, so that's a uh, that's a different side of things. From my physical physical product, we have a warehouse and we hired like uh, workers to fill up, to pack it, and everything. And um, initially, we just had like one person packing everything. Well, first of all, me and my business partner did do the initial packing and shipping, but then we hired like a manager, and then they hired like two other employees uh, to to run the the warehouse itself. And and that was pretty like efficient system is that what you're asking <laughs> yeah but that's amazing so you also have employees like not only do you like outsource to other you know for like customer service but you have a aware you have a warehouse with employees yeah for my dis for my physical product shops yeah. yeah but earlier i mentioned the vas that were just for my digital shops where i can everything's virtual but yes for physical they are all uh, housed in vancouver and um and the warehouse and everything oh my gosh at what point did you have to? So, okay, did this at some point start though, like in your living room? Yes, yeah, everything started <laughs> uh, in my living room, and um, we would just pack it here and slowly expand it to uh, like a bigger garage, and then slowly moved into like a even bigger warehouse, and now it's to our own little, um, yeah, it's kind of uh. slowly grew from there, but <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's, it's interesting, you know, from the physical product shops compared to my digital there, there's definitely like, you know, differences between the two, but there's a lot of similarities on how you can, you can learn from each other. And, and, uh, I was able to, you know, people are saying, oh, how are you juggling all these things? And isn't it weird 
hard to like divert your attention to all these different streams. Like, yes, in a way, but I also learn a lot from one where I can, I can be more efficient in the other. And it just kind of so much synergy goes back to having different streams. And I'm sure you're aware of it too. Like Lizzie, I'm sure you do other things where you can learn from one another and then just helps uh, the overall as well. Well, I'm just really excited that you've reached the level of success that you have and you're still selling physical products. And I, so, I mean, I guess that would be, I do have like a couple other um, shorter questions to ask you, but I would really like to kind of end a bit on that note. Like, well, how, tell, tell me about the value you see in still selling physical products. Now, obviously you've gotten to a place where you can, you can have help with that. You are not a slave to it. Like my husband and I were, you know, when we were in our, our, our busiest days, um, but can you talk to me about that? Like the value of physical products on Etsy in this in this kind of age where everyone's trying to move digital and print on demand? Because I just have a place in my heart for it. You know what I mean? Like I'm still like Etsy is still a place you <laughs> want to go to get something really unique and special and handmade and uh, you know a physical product. Yeah, I think first of all, I think we we just generally like we like creating things. We like having physical products. Right? It brings us joy. Sometimes everything's so digital that it's it's hard to really connect with your products in a way, which is great. It's only benefits the digital, but something about physical, it's just nice to have and create these things. And, um, you know, secondly, in terms of like, you know, the business side of things, it's a lot harder for people to, to replicate you. Right. So something yes. that you can have crazy success in the digital realm, it like, if you don't keep up with it, you don't, you don't, um, continue to innovate in this space. It's really easy for someone to just come in and just copy you. Whereas fit and physical, like, it's way harder, uh, way more unique that way. People can't just come up overnight and take over your business. Thank you. This is exactly what I think and what I say over. If people are just like, I'm constantly getting copied. I'm like, you would in the physical space. But I get, I mean, I get it. And our different lifestyles warrant different types of shops. But I just love that you've committed to all of them. <laughs> I think it's so, I think it's so wonderful. And um um, okay. So I would like for you to chat a little bit because you actually, and you're such a, such an asset for this. You actually offer coaching calls. Like you'll, you will meet with people and help them with their Etsy shop. You have coaching calls. And then the other thing that jumped out at me is that you will literally go step by step with people and showing them how to set, you know, not just, I mean, yes, your YouTube channel, which we need to talk about as well, but you will actually help people set things up. Can you talk a little bit about those services that you offer and, um, uh, you know, what, how people can find that and we'll link yeah. it for you for, as well guys yeah for sure you can find it on the website i'm sure lizzie will link it and um yeah i do coaching calls if people have any questions on how to get started or if they want me to just kind of go over on on screen just to show you stuff by stuff on how to do it what you want to click on how to get started how to create your mock-ups right so anything you want to learn about how to just sell on etsy from physical products to digital to print on demand uh, i can help you out with that and if you need help with reviewing your shop, do a quick, just kind of summary overall review. You know, I can do that in the call as well. So it's just anything that you want to go over. Um, I can, I can kind of um, guide you through that. And doesn't he just sound like the most patient, calm teacher ever? <laughs> I don't know if you guys are like me, but um, I am completely obsessed with my dad. My dad is amazing. But anytime he tried to teach me anything, it created massive anxiety because he's just like, why aren't you getting this? And you can see, you know, hello, another high, high energy personality here. Although I do um, 
pride myself on being a much more patient person. Um, but I just think Brandon seems like the most patient, calm, perfect teacher. If you're someone who really needs to have your hand held, amazing. And then where else are can our listeners find you and connect? Because I know after this, they're going to want to go watch all your YouTube videos. Many of them are going to be like, hook me up with that calm energy for my coaching. How do they, how do we, how do we connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube or on TikTok. Uh, so those are the two platforms that I'm most active on. But just to recap on the last note, like, you know, <laughs> the step-by-step teaching people. And I think I just I just know so many people who are amazing, like are amazing creators, right? So, so good at creating things, but they just don't have a technical side of things. So I just really want to help people who are in that space. And, you know, because um, I see so much potential in, in so many people, even in my own personal life that I'm helping currently to to bring their products and services online and it, they just need a little bit of help in the technical side so that's something that i love doing and um but yeah you can find me on youtube and tiktok mainly we need you in the world brandon okay and i know your um your youtube is at brandon timothy which of course i will link but is that also your tiktok is at brandon timothy tiktok is brandon.tw Okay, yeah, I need to change that in the future, but I don't think yeah. so. I think that's memorable. I just, I just wanted to make sure we had it because some people just want to hear it verbally. So, um, I will, all of this oh, right. will be linked. Gotcha. We will link. I will link all the things. You know, I'm like the biggest show notes nerd, you guys. So don't worry about that. That'll all be there. But I mean, oh my, I wish I had. Like, I wish we could keep going, Brandon. The, I, I mean, there's just like the nuance that you drop with every sentence is amazing. And I know people have taken away so much from this. Thank you so much for joining me for this today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for having me on. I really appreciate that. And obviously I've definitely learned some stuff from you as as well. And, and I've been listening to your podcast, which is amazing. So yeah, I appreciate everything. Well, thank you. That's very humbling. I'm, I'm such a big fan of like those of us in this space, like rather than looking at each other as competition or like, I need to stay away or I need to hide. I'm like, heck no, let's link arms and help each other. Like there's, there's room at the table for all of us. So I love folks like you. And then you guys know like Anastasia's templates and, um, gold city ventures and Jenny from the shop, all these people who are really wanting to like link arms together. And like, how can we help each other? I love that energy. And I hope you guys too. Um, and Brandon is, is absolutely part of the party now. So expect to see and hear from him again. Go binge his YouTube channel. He is so helpful, so detailed. It's awesome. So I think this is just the beginning of a beautiful friendship, Brandon. I'm so grateful. Me too. Thank you for having me on, Lizzie. Anytime. It's my pleasure. You guys have an awesome week and we'll see you in the next episode. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.